Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Um, for those watching online, again, I want to say thank you. I know you're tuning in from Florida, um, uh, Arkansas. I mean, I know there's multiple, California, uh, Alaska, uh, Mississippi. And so I want to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, South Carolina as well. So I know there's multiple people tuning in. So thank you for tuning in. In regards to what God is doing here at Crossroads, we're grateful for you. Thank you for those in the room. And again, moms, I want to say a happy Mother's Day to you. Okay. Happy Mother's Day to you. This is not, I didn't, we're not going to pause the series. I know some pastors, they pause the series and do a Mother's Day specific message, but this is going to be a us message, but it definitely includes mothers. It includes moms. And so, again, thank you, uh, mothers, for doing such an awesome, an awesome job. And at the end, I'm going to pray, have a special prayer time, so get ready for that. But we've been in a series, walking through the book of Ephesians. Walking through the book of Ephesians. And so now we have, over the last two weeks or so, three weeks, we've been in the, the spiritual armor portion. So now, this is that portion where you and I, we must, uh, it's not flannel graph, it's not just some old school uh, Sunday school type teaching. This is, Paul is saying, look, um, God didn't leave us out here broke. In other words, God didn't leave you out here exposed to not be able to, to off, offset or even defend your faith in the midst of spiritual warfare. Now, I said last week that the war is over. The war is over. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. He conquered it. I like this one amen in here. Amen. But this is true. Now, but the battle still continues. The battle still continues. And, and what Paul is going to tell us this morning, I just want you to stay with me here. What he's going to tell you and I this morning, as we deal with the next three set of pieces of armor. Last week we dealt with the first three. Today we're going to deal with the latter portion. It's, this is not a matter of if the darts or warfare is going to come. It's a matter of just when. If you keep living long enough, you're going to experience spiritual warfare. Now, a lot of the things that we, I must talk about this real quick. A lot of the stuff that we go through on this side of heaven is just a direct, hear me say this, a direct result from a, of a fallen world. So not necessarily, we can't blame the Lord on everything, man, right? A lot of this is just, but God has a way of working in the midst of the mess to bring forth a beautiful message. But not only that, he, he helps us to withstand within whatever we're going through. And so Paul is going to say, God has provided for you and I these pieces of armor to put on every single day, not just on Sunday. I remember somebody in North Carolina told me this. I know North Carolina is watching. Hope you're not, this is not the person. Amen. But, but they said, well, Pastor, I got to look my best on Sunday. I said, well, what about the rest of the days? I mean, what, what, Sunday dress, that's cool, but what about the rest of the days? And so Paul is saying, as the Lord would say, he wants you and I to put on the armor every single day. So Ephesians 6, 16 through 17 says this. Paul writes, he says this, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, how many? All. The definition we like to use here at Crossroads is all means all, and that's all all means. Amen. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which, notice this, you can extinguish how many flaming uh, uh, um, darts? How many? 
He's linking all circumstances to all flaming darts, extinguishing all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul is saying, hey, look, God didn't leave us out here just exposed. But not only that, he's saying in every single circumstance, if you're breathing right now, you're either going into a circumstance, some of us you're in a circumstance, and some of us were coming out of a circumstance. But rest assured, if you keep living long enough in the Christian life, you will go through some serious circumstances. And what Paul wants us to know is that when we apply biblically the three that we're going to list today and the previous three from last week, the pieces of armor, when we apply them properly, you and I, we can be in a circumstance, but the circumstance doesn't necessarily have to have you. Why is that? Why is that? Why do you watch people walk through circumstances in life and then you go, man, you should be like throwing in a towel. You should be um, going crazy. You should be going 5150, but you're just still at kilter. You still have peace. Why is that? Well, because individuals like that, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, they understand something. They understand that the Lord has provided for them and they also understand their reference point. Here's what I mean by reference point. How many of y'all remember the little, the little toy they used to do like this? You, you punch it, boof, and it bounces to the ground and come back up like this, boom. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Anybody, they got that? Okay, cool, they got that. Anybody, anybody know that? Like, boom, bow, boom, and just kind of bounce back like this, boom, 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 boom. Man, I remember having one of those when I was young, and it, it was like, my, you know, mass of gravity wasn't that good. I was a little dude, skinny legs. I went to do this, boom, that mug came back, bow, knocked me out, man, I fell down. Something crazy. Mama, daddy, right? Here it is. You ready for this? But man, you can hit it from any angle, from the front, from the sides, and even the back. What's amazing, though, about this small toy, which is a great spiritual implication and application for you and I this morning, based on this text, is this. Doesn't matter how the enemy attack you. Hear me say this. Your reference point should always be grounded in your identity in Jesus. That never changes. As a matter of fact, Paul would even say this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, man, rejoice always. Rejoice again, I say. Paul, what are you talking about? You're in a prison. You're looking at death. You're staring death in the eyes. How can you say rejoice again, I say rejoice? Well, he's saying that circumstances change, but you can always rejoice in the character of God. Why? Because his character never changes. So Paul says circumstances are going to come. And it's amazing because many Christians, I see this in my own life, we tend to, as Paul says, I'm just talking about the circumstances portion, we're going to look at the faith, the armor of, um, the, the shield of faith and the rest here in just a little bit, but most of us, myself included, what we do is that we live in the midst of our circumstances, can we keep it real today? We live from our circumstances versus the revelation that God has made plain and clear to you and I via the word and the cross. Here's what I mean. In chapter one, Paul says that you and I, we're adopted. I'm going to say it again. If you're a Christian in the room, chapter one, he says that he has blessed us in, notice the location, the preposition, in Christ with, in every, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've been adopted, been predestined, you've been redeemed, you've been lavished upon with all wisdom and insight, you've been forgiven, you have an inheritance and you've been sealed. So Paul is saying now, what happens, you and I, I'm, I'm telling y'all this is real talk. 
When we get into life circumstances, the enemy wants us to think that God is indifferent towards us or that we've done something, and chances are many times, yes, it's based on some things that we've done. God humbles and he chastises those in whom he loves. But a lot of times, here's the real issue. You ready for this? It's just because the enemy doesn't want you to walk in what God has for you. Do you I mean, literally, hear me say this. The, the enemy does not want you to really flesh out God's purpose and plan for your life. He doesn't want it. Some of y'all may think, well, no, I'm, no, pastor, I don't think that's true. Well, here's the deal. John 10, 10 says his whole agenda, the enemy, you have a real enemy up top on the floor, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And I think in our culture today, what we've done is we've, we've kind of made uh, this, this fictitious, romanticized understanding of who the enemy is. Do you know he is out to knock you off your block? Literally, he wants you to, 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 to turn your back on the Lord. He wants you to, to walk away from the faith. He wants you to, to, to shame the Lord. He wants you to do all this stuff. Why? And Paul says, no, 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 no. Remember your reference point. Remember who you are in Christ. So here it is. Um, we remember who you are in Christ. Paul says, in all circumstances, you can be in a circumstance, but the circumstance won't have you. Amen. You say, help me understand that. Y'all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I like to say a bad Billy goat, amen, right? <laughs> but they were in the fire, right? Here it is. King Nebuchadnezzar made this whole statue and was demanding everybody in the nation to bow down to the, to the actual statue. And these boys say, look, man, King Nebuchadnezzar, man, your, your statue is pretty cool, but we ain't bowing. Now that causes some indignation, some pride within the king. Y'all know this. Y'all know the rest of the story. He throws them in the fiery furnace, turns it up three times hotter than normal. And what happened? What happened? They're in the fire. There is flames everywhere. I mean, they should have been torched. The Bible says that some of the guards was like, man, hey, check this out. Man, it's a fourth dude up in there, man. Check it out, partner. Hey, hey, check it out, partner. There's a fourth dude up in there. The fourth person was the Lord, which is known as a, um, a Christophany or a theophany, an appearance of Christ before his incarnate appearance. In the fire, but here's the deal. Hey, turn off the fire. Have them come out. They came out and didn't smell like nothing. Here's what I'm trying to say. I hope y'all, just like maybe three amens in here. That's all right. Maybe y'all will get this over brunch. Amen. <laughs> you can go through circumstances and come out of a circumstance and it will look as if you hadn't been through anything. Why? Because of your reference point and the fact that God has, he has you. Not only that, he says, take up the shield of faith. Now this whole deal of the shield of faith is this. Take up, again, it's in the active voice, it's in the present tense. It means you and I, we ought to be doing this ourselves. I can't give you your shield of faith. I can't put that, I can't, add, I can't give that to you. You have to take it up on the day-to-day -day basis. He says, well, take up the shield of faith. We must live by faith daily. And not just faith in the past in the sense that, hey, look, I gave my life to Jesus and that was fine and now I can cruise and put it on cruise control. A smooth road for a Christian, rest assured, there's going to be spiritual ditches on either side. So he says, we got to. And, and, and again, I just want to, ah, I hope we get this. I hope we get this, that, the, that what we're living in right now, the days we're living in, we need to make sure that we're girded with true biblical faith. What is faith, Pastor Marcus? Help me understand this. Faith is this. As my buddy Tony Evans would say, faith is this, is, is, is really believing God is telling the truth. 
That simple. It's that simple. That what God said in his word, now here is where the rubber meets the road for many of us in our own lives. Because sometimes I think, we, well, well, maybe God, you, I see you working in somebody else's life. I see a redemptive story in their life. But, but my life, you've, kinda, you've gone on vacation for sure on my life. That's not the case. As a matter of fact, God is very near to the brokenhearted and the contrite of spirit. So he promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you, as a matter of fact, just like the fourth in the fire. But here's what I want to challenge us this morning is this, is that you and I, we got to make sure that we don't allow our feelings to dictate faith. Because in situations and circumstances, we allow, I allow my feelings sometimes to take precedent over what theology has already declared to be true. And God is, he's already spoken. He's already said a word. And so it's faith in that. It's faith in that. And again, faith is not just faith in anything. We don't have faith in faith. Okay. We, we, just as Christians, we don't operate just faith in faith. We don't just not, oh, just, you know, if I say I'm going to walk off this, this deal and just, and just walk and hover in the air and make it to the sound booth, that's not happening. As a matter of fact, there's a thing called gravity. There's a real law called gravity, and I'm going to straight hit the ground. Amen. And these bad knees, and y'all going to be like picking pastor up off the ground. Amen. But the reality is this. We don't have just faith in faith. How many of you, how many of you came in and checked the chair that you, you sat in? You just plopped your blessed assurance right on down, didn't you? You did. I know you did. But here's the deal. You and I, what happens is we operate, we've been wired by a sovereign God to literally operate in the realm of faith. Do you understand that? Okay, let me give you a better example. Last night when you went to bed, when I laid my head down last night, it was Mandy's birthday yesterday and Mother's Day today. Every year, guys, man, I'm like, woo, it's, it's loaded, okay? I got to bring the sauce. I got to bring the heat. I can't bring it on just on her birthday and not on Mother's Day. That's just bad business. Amen, right? I laid my head down last night. I was already thinking about the sermon, thinking about everything I got to do today and thinking about all the plans we have and, and even into next week. How many of y'all ever done that? Anybody in the room? Do you know in that moment, you and I literally were operating in this realm of faith. We are anticipating something that hadn't happened yet. In other words, we're, we're actually saying, God, I realize, we, without even um, tangibly doing it, I realize that you are sovereign and you are in control, but thus I'm going to rest and, and just rest in the fact, I'm going to trust what you said is true, and I'm resting in the fact that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to do the things that's on my agenda. It's just faith. We, we literally operate like this, but here's the deal. We don't have faith this in faith. Our faith is not just in facts. Our faith, your faith, my faith, biblical faith is faith in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. The truth about what we know about him. Now, in those days, in Roman days, those um, shields were really big. It was like a door. It was literally a door. And so you would, uh, I mean, in battle, they, I mean, they would douse the front of it with water. It's crazy, like a door. Can you imagine? A door. Imagine somebody going to Home Depot, buying a door, and just walking out like this. Like, Where are you going? This is my shoe of faith. Like, man, get you, you. You need to go to a crazy house. Amen. My shoe of faith. Here it is. But in the army, they knew if they linked, check this out. If they stayed side by side with these doors or the shield of faith, the enemy couldn't penetrate like they want to. So here's the importance of you personally. Hear me say this. I didn't spend time on this in the first hour. Here's the importance of you and I taking up our shield of faith every single day. 
Because when we lower our shield of faith, we're susceptible. We're actually an easy target, not just for yourself, by yourself, but you're also, you're, you jeopardize the rest of the army. So much so that a shield would be, it would protect all the, major, all the major arteries and just every piece of the body, I mean, the head and the shoes. And so as you think about the previous ones, man, the belt of truth sometimes, I know guys, you don't feel like it's, man, I love this truth, man. I, just can we be honest in here when, when biblical truth, Lord, you're telling me to love my enemy? Yes. You mean pray for my enemy? Yes. You mean to do some things that may like forsake this sin and, and do that? Yes. But I don't feel like, has anybody ever said that? But I don't feel like it. It's not about your feelings. Feelings are an indicator, but they're a horrible dictator. So in other words, you and I, as you remember your reference point, as you remember your heavenly place, that you're seated in heavenly places, you and I ought to view circumstances and the spiritual battle in a different way. So much so that you ought to, I ought to say, man, this is not about my feelings. Uh, feelings take the caboose and I want theology, the truth of Jesus Christ to be the engine of me navigating this season in the circumstance of life. So the shield of faith, man, you got to pick it up. You got to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You can. And here's the interesting about those darts, man. When they, when they were firing the enemy, they were launching battle. They were like, I mean, all I think about 300. Anybody seen 300? We're studying this. We're studying this as a teaching team. We're like 300. We're like, now we can't bring up movies because last time Daquan was talking about like, he was talking about a little, like he over there, oh, ta, ta, ta. right? He was talking about like, what's, what's the what's the what's the show? The Bachelor, man. We can't be doing that no more, man. We're a big family. By the way, if you're a guest, we're one big messy family reunion every single Sunday. This is us, okay? So welcome to the mess. You brought more mess with us, amen. <laughs> Here it is. But 300, they, they bang, bang. But they will douse the front portion of the arrow in an oil-based uh, liquid that upon contact would explode. But not only explode, it would also spread immediately. So, boom. They knew. So if somebody in the faith, in your family, at your, co at your work, wherever, if somebody has their shield down, you make everybody else susceptible. Let me just say this real quick. The enemy, he's not okay. He's just not okay with you gossiping. He wants to destroy relationships. He's not okay with just you looking at porn. He wants to destroy your marriage. He's not just okay. He wants to destroy everything. Again, this is not just I'm throwing little darts. It's like boom, bang. I want to really hit, but also land, but explode and spread. And this is the picture. This is the picture. I hope y'all see it. This is the picture. It's amazing because the arrow or arrows, they won't stop coming. But we can, we can put out the fire. We can put out the fires. But faith is also this, this whole deal, the shield of faith, it's about you and I, it involves renunciation, if you will, and reliance. In other words, us denying ourselves and what we can do and trusting and relying in God's power. So faith is this, man, look, it's not, again, it can't just be about facts. We have to obey at some point. We have to obey the truth of what the word of God says. And so in other words, this is me. Hey, because y'all know this, information doesn't lead to transformation. 
And in the Bible Belt, I think a lot of people, we think just because I go to church that I'm, I'm just, I am growing. No, you're not. You're coming to church. All you're doing is coming to church. Can I keep it real with you? This is the hard part. This is the, this is the fun part, but also the hard part. Oh, I got my Bible in my house on the Edige. Y'all remember Edige's? <laughs> on my coffee, on my countertop, or, or on, the, on the mantle. And, and I, I'm, I mean, my house is filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about that. If you never open it, get, get it, open that thing up. Oh, my Bible's in my glove compartment, in my truck. Boy, I'm all that and a bag of chips. God, you got my back. Yeah. God, you, yeah, you got your back, but the Bible's in the glove compartment. So here's what I'm trying to say. Many of us, we think we can operate, hear me say this, myself included, we can operate in this spiritual realm with carnal means. And we can't do that. In other words, we set ourselves up and we put other people in jeopardy when we do so. So Paul is saying, don't do it. This is serious. This is serious because the war, your faith and my faith, this thing is a battleground and not a playground. How many of y'all remember that miracle ground thing? Y'all remember that thing? Not like the new ones, the hard plastic. Y'all know the, the, I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about the metal ones back in the day. Y'all remember the metal ones? And you like run real fast. You be like this here. Boom, 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 boom. Y'all say, Pastor lost his mind. Boom, 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 boom. And, go, and you run that deal. But then you had some people on there. They good. But you always had that little Joe Schmo want to try to jump on. Y'all remember Joe Schmo? What would happen to Joe Schmo when he tried to jump on? Right. Blickety plow, bang, bang, bloop, blip, boom, bang, right? Head knocked off, mulch all in his hair, mulch in his mouth, shirt all disheveled. Mama! See, a lot of times we try to, hear me say this, we try to, I try to, we try to, this is spiritual. The enemy is literally after us. It's a real enemy. But we treat Christianity as just this, oh, I mean, I just, I'm at the playground, I'm good, I gave my life to Christ. No, no, guess what? He wants to take you out. So Paul says, the Lord hadn't left us without resources. We can't rely on ourselves and the Lord in the midst of it, so we got to pick up the, the shield of faith that holds us together. What is faith? Faith is really saying, God, I believe that you're telling the truth about any matter. And then the helmet of salvation. This is interesting. Why? Because it protects the mind, and y'all know this, and they knew this in Roman days, that if the mind or the head was actually wounded, it would cause blurriness. It could cause staggeredness in walking, and so it made, it made you very, again, very vulnerable. And so this idea in that context, but for us, the helmet of salvation is something different. The helmet of salvation is this. It's for you and I to protect our mind from the lies of the enemy. So, but here's what I mean. It's not just, I'm, oh, I'm wearing a helmet of salvation. Again, we studied this and we were wondering, what are these pieces? What, what is this? The helmet of salvation is the reality that you are redeemed and saved. Redeemed and saved. Bought back. I wish I could have a theology class right now. Doubly bought back. You were his when he created you. But then not only that, when he sent his son to die for you, as we look at Hosea, he said, look, uh, you're going to go purchase Gomer back with money, but I'm going to purchase my people back with blood. So in other words, he's, you're doubly his when you repent and turn and trust him. So we need to know this. Hear me say this. You need to know this when you go off to college students. 
You need to know this in your own personal walks. You need to know this when you're struggling with different things. You need to know this when the arrows and the onslaughts are coming and you can't even come up for air. You need to know, what is this? What do I need to know? You need to know that you're redeemed, you're set apart, you're adopted, you're a child of God. You are in his body and guess what? You are forgiven and you are at peace with him. You're at peace with him. Why is that important in the midst of the battle? Why? Hear me say this, guys. I love this. Some of y'all look at me like, this dude, they're tripping. No, I ain't. I'm about to preach till my guts fall out, and I'm going to have a good time with my wife in a little bit. Amen. Some of y'all still going to be grappling with this text. They're like, well, what Pastor Tomo, the merry-go-round, that was cool. I'm not talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> you and I, we got we to gotta know Scripture. Do you know that we live in the most illiterate time in history when it comes to understanding the Bible? Right now. Right now. So much so, different generations, you can go back and do some study. How about this? I will encourage you to do a study on the different generations when it comes to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. If you look at the boomers, builders, you look at Gen Z, you look at, um, uh, not Gen Z, uh, the Gen X, you got uh, millennials, you got Gen Z, you got all these different, you got all these different generations. And it's amazing, as the generations get closer to our time now, more people in Y generation, I don't even know what's going to happen. They don't even understand. They don't even know where. Uh, here, here it is. Well, I, I heard of that, but I, I don't know where it's at in the Bible. Like, this is where we're at. So assuming, the days of assuming are over. I can't assume that just because someone say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer, or, or yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, eh, that don't do anything. I mean, I can go stand in Big Mac, uh, um, what do you call it, Burger King, no, maybe no Big Mac, or, or you know, what, no, Whopper, amen, right? If you were here the other place, sorry, I just offended you, amen. So, but, um, but the point is this, you got to know scripture. God, do you have a plan for my life in the midst of all this? Yes. No weapon is formed against you shall prosper. Man, Lord, I don't know if I can make it, even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, I'm to a place of, man, I'm, I'm so low I can do a pull-up on a curb. But your word declares in Psalm 32, I'm near to the brokenhearted and the contrite in spirit. Man, why am I here? What's my purpose? Man, God, I must have been a mistake. Nope, Psalm 139 says you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Not only that, Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 3, declares this, that I knew you even before you were in your mother's womb, and I set you apart, he says. I set you apart to be a spokesman to the nations. So God has a plan and purpose for your life. You and I, we got to put on the helmet of salvation. we got to let that download into our lives. The importance is this too. You ready? Because when you and I don't understand the gospel clearly, we will never truly operate as one whom God has promised to deliver. You, you'll never really understand the power of the fact that you've been set apart and that he's delivered you from the power of sin and the penalty of sin as well. We just will grapple with it. We'll just go back and forth, back and forth, and that's not what the Lord wants for you. Well, the helmet of salvation is interesting. Why? Because it's also that idea of it's not... You, that he's not going to stop. As a matter of fact, the more you get closer to the Lord, the more the marrow is going to come. 
the more as a church crossroads, as we continue to grow, as we continue to grow, you better rest assured the arrows are coming. Let me challenge you with this. Make sure you put your armor on. It's a prophetic word to everybody in this congregation. Put your armor on. Don't be susceptible. Don't jeopardize the next person. Have each other's back. The worst thing, man, I, you know, for me as a, you know, I travel and do stuff and, and I go places and I'll be with somebody. Have you ever had that moment where you have like, excuse me, this may be a little inappropriate. You have like a booger in your nose. Everybody been there? Everybody been there? You about to walk on stage like, man, thousands of people. You got like a booger in your nose. Everybody been there? And then you walking with this cat for four, like three days leading up to this event. Even that, that day, you did your due diligence, but you, you, you kind of, sometimes you kind of know something maybe there, but you're not quite sure. And then you go to the restroom and it's like after you spoke and you greeted like hundreds and hundreds of people and you had the homeboy just like this all day. And the cat that's with you should have let you, should have talked to you. Man, hey man, hey man, Tyler, don't leave me out there like that. If I got a, if I got a homie in my nose, man, tell me. Like don't, like real talk. I know this sounds funny, but it's the same way when it comes to our spiritual armor. If you see somebody bumping their gums, you say, man, you're not wearing your armor, sis. You're not wearing your armor, homeboy. If you see somebody, man, oh man, God is here, ain't got nothing for me, man, man, man. Hey, put on that helmet of salvation. Come on, come on, rock that thing. Put it on. Let that stuff, take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation. Y'all know the rest. We can go down to litany this. And here it is. And we'll deal with the sword of the spirit. You and I, we can probably, we can't keep a sparrow from flying above our head. One, one great theologian said, Martin Luther. But we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. So when it comes to the helmet of salvation, know this, that the enemy's not going to stop because you have a helmet on. But you can sure enough stop him from building a nest of doubt and fear in your life. And Paul says, the sword of the spirit, which is, he says, which is, which is, it's the word of God. Now, this is interesting because we know God's word is pure. Psalm 19. It's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant. It's the truth by which we stand in and on. But here's the dynamic about the word, word here in this text. There's three words that we use, and we've studied this before, but it's graphe, logos, and rhema. And I normally don't do this, but I think it's important. Why? Because he says that the word of God is a, it's, it's a sword. It's the only piece of armor that's offensive and defensive. So you and I, with a belt of truth on, boom, we got it. The, 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 hey, if I'm in battle, I'm not leaving my, my sword in, my, in the sheath. I'm not leaving it there. I want to use it properly. And by the way, hopefully the training has been proper. Because if the training is improper, that means I'm not going to handle this. Here's what I mean. Graphe is just the ink on the pages. Can I just talk to you off a little bit? Graphe is just the ink on the pages. As you see this, you see the ink on the page, that's just graphe. It's the word graphe. Everybody say graphe. Graphe is where many Christians live. Just ink on the pages. Talk to talk, look to talk, no substance. Just to be quite honest, that's graphe. The second word is logos. Logos is the meaning of graphe. 
In other words, Logos, Jesus is the Logos, Jesus is the Word of God incarnate, so therefore all of Scripture, Genesis and Revelation, points to Jesus. That means the Bible, all 66 books, points to the Logos. He's the main point. So when you and I get in the Word, remember the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When we get in the text, we dive in. Man, we're trying to, we're trying to grow and, and get in God's text and understand it for ourselves. What happens is we begin to not just dwell in the Grafe area, we begin to understand the Logos, which is the main point of the Grafe. But not only that, we actually transition, and this is not the term, neither one of those two are the terms that Paul uses in this text. Paul used the term rhema. Now, I know this term is being used very loosely in our culture. I need a rhema word, I need a rhema word. That basically means I need a word word. That's what it means. But that's not what this text, that's not what, how it should be defined. And, and here it is. That's not how it's used here in the text. Because with a knife or a sword, trying to just let y'all see this. When you're in battle, you have to use it precisely. You can't just go on it to be like, some of y'all be like, ah, God, God, God. Some of y'all be like that. I know y'all will, right? I know you will. I, I know, I know. Man, they're like, I don't want to be on the front line with that. We're going to die. Hey, Amen. You know what I mean? But I, 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 I be just loose with it. Hitting other people in the head. No, we ain't got time for that. But you got to use it precisely. Here's what Paul is saying. Rhema is this. It's a particular, precise word spoken based on the reference point and even the truth of who God is and who he says you are. So in other words, when you and I are in a battle, we can actually use the word of God and be precise at the enemy when he throws the different lies and the different doubts and, and all the things he throws at you and I. The problem is we tend to operate in feelings and not truth, and so we keep the, our sword in the sheath and we try to meander and make our way and navigate through it when we can't do that in and of ourselves. But here's the point. Paul is saying you don't have to do that. When you have the helmet of salvation on, you can use the word of God precisely to speak directly to what the enemy is pointing you out on. Hallelujah. And by the way, y'all know this. Y'all know this. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction comes from the Lord. There's a difference. So the word of God is this. Speaking accurately to what you are facing. What are you facing today? Do you have scripture that can back that up? And by the way, you know, you, can, you and I can make this say whatever we wanted to say. That's the danger. So in other words, as a church, we want to do our best. We got some different things coming down the pike or discipleship pipeline, leadership pipeline, uh, different mission trips, things that's, that we're, we're, really, we're really churning behind the scenes, different classes we're going to offer. Why? We want to hopefully, by God's grace, shepherd you to get to a place to take on ramp spiritually so that you can learn the Bible, learn the word. We just finished a theology class, 13 weeks, man. Some people walked out going, man, I will never look at the gospel the same. I mean, so, so rich. I mean, why? Because we want people to understand you, you just can't be spoon-fed. In other words, it's like verses like, well, where two or three are gathered, there I am also. How many of y'all ever heard that one? Matthew 18, right? Typically, it's taken out of context. So that means if I'm a missionary in, you know, in the Un-Un tribe somewhere off in, the, off in the cuts, and it's me and another missionary, if that missionary flies home, does that mean the Lord is not with me anymore? No. Thanks, Peter. But see, that's what we've done with the text. Where two or three are gathered, that's in the context of church discipline. That's right. If you do everything properly, 
What the Lord tells you to do in Matthew 18, boom, follow these steps. Boom, 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 boom. If you've done all of these, the God of heaven agrees with you 100% and you can move forward. So we got to understand the Bible, guys. Why? Because I'm telling you what, it's, it's the only thing that lasts. The Bible, the Bible declares that everything else will fade. Everything else will fade. Everything else will fade. Everything else will fade. But the word of God will stand forever. As a church, going forward, amen. As a church, we want to do this. We want to make sure that we're rightly dividing the word. We don't want to add to it. We don't want to subtract. We want to rightly divide the word of God. We want to stand on biblical truth. I believe in the days ahead, it's going to be a small island of Bible teaching, preaching, practicing churches. We want to be one of those by God's grace. We're not going to deviate from the Bible. We just can't do that. We don't have the right to. We can't didact it. We can't build our own Thomas Jefferson Bible and just cut out the portions we don't like. No, we have to, we have to deal with it and let the Lord deal with us. Why? Because in that case, what we do is we make for ourselves a God that agrees with us all the time. Let me just say this. You know, the Bible is interesting because it tells us, especially with the helmet of salvation, that you've been redeemed. You're kind of, you're just journeying. You're a foreigner just walking through the soils of this, this earth. And, and the word of God helps us to penetrate and navigate. But let me say this. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus in this room today, hear me say this. This, talking about earth, USA, this would be the closest to heaven you'll ever get. Have you ever thought about that? Like this would be the closest to heaven you'll ever get. If you don't know Christ, this is it. Like live it up, live the American dream, this is it. Hebrews 9, 27 says, it's appointed unto man to live once and after that judgment. Jesus would say this in John, he said, man, well, what, what, and Luke actually too, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? So that's for the unbeliever. For the believer in the room, this earth is the closest to hell that you'll ever get. Literally. Because you've been sanctified and set apart unto the Lord. Put on the armor. Keep it on. Every day. I mean, I have to, I have to keep it on. You know, when I don't have it on, I get angry. Can we keep it real? I get short. Can I keep it real? I want to control things. Can I keep it real? I may have thoughts that I shouldn't have. See, every single person. Now, I went out, I'd expose myself. You know what you need to do. And the importance of keeping the armor on. Put it on. If not, it makes everybody susceptible. Like think, of the, think of the accountability. Look at the person next to you and say, man, are you wearing your armor? Come on, come on. Look, look, look. Yeah, see, caught y'all off guard. It's like a it's silence of the lambs in here. Amen. Look at that. Hey, come on. Come on. Here we go. Look at your person. Are you wearing the armor? Come on, y'all. Look. Are we getting it? This section hadn't said a word. Okay, let's try that again. Look at your neighbor and say, are you wearing your armor? All right, look to the other side. Say, are you wearing your armor? Amen. Some of y'all, I tell you, you look to the other side and say, well, you need like 
more, you need extra armor. Amen. <laughs> now let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that you do not leave us as orphans, exposed and left out in the spiritual code. You take good care of us. Even though life is ugly, even though life is those curveballs and sinkers, Lord, you look out for us still. And even with the uncertainty of life, rest assured something is certain. Your character and your word. So Lord, give us a robust theology. Not just information, because information doesn't do anything. Information or transformation is the demonstration that information has taken root. If it was about information only, Lord, you know this to be true. Even demons would be disciples. There has to be a level of downloading. It impacting our lives, our feet, how we view life. You're calling out biblical Christians in our culture today. You're calling out us in the church here at Crossroads to walk in truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to put on the shoes, the readiness of the shoes the gospel of peace. For us to take up the shield of faith. For us to put on a helmet of salvation. For us to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And really, ultimately, at the end of the day, Lord, all we're doing is putting on you. Not some imaginary pieces that we're putting on. Jesus, all it is is us walking in you daily consecrating our lives to you more, surrendering more. And as Paul would say in Ephesians, put on Christ, put on Christ, put on Christ, put on Christ. That's all it is. So Lord, give us victory. Thank you that we have victory. For those that are still grappling with things, I pray that you'll meet them right where they're at. Thank you that you meet us in our mess. You don't tell us to clean ourselves up first and then come to you as some religions would think, as works and self would say. I gotta do this, I gotta clean myself up, then I'll come to the Lord. No, you and I, we can't make ourselves right before a holy, just, majestic, holy other God. But Jesus made it possible that we can stand right and reconciled back in his presence. So in this moment, you may say, man, I came to church just on Mother's Day, heads bowed, eyes closed, and I don't know Jesus. Here's what I want. I said, I, mean, I, I didn't know what to expect. I just really, I'm just coming. I, I didn't even know. I'm just, I'm here. It's just kind of a ritual thing. I'm just here. And today, Jesus said, I'm calling you home. I want you to come home. I created you. I lived for you. I died for you. I rose for you. I'm coming back for you. Come home. Here's what you, here's what you do. This is basic. It's an intimate time between you and your creator. But here it is. Ready? You have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. God's grace and what Jesus did on the cross will not be beautiful if you don't see yourself as, as really awful. It's not gonna be beautiful. Because then you'll think, man, I can still do it. I don't need anybody. I don't need a savior. So you gotta admit. You gotta confess. 
and believe. So in your own heart right now, God knows everything. I love the fact that God is omniscient. His spirit is moving. If you don't know Christ, you've never trusted him as savior, never repented and turned from your sin. Here's what you do. Say, Lord, I believe that you are the savior of the world. Lord, I also believe that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, I'm tore from the flow up without you. Thank you for living the perfect life and dying my death on the cross, which makes way for redemption, me being forgiven, redeemed, and also made right again in the Father's sight. So Jesus, come into my heart, my soul, wrecked shop for your glory. Save me, redeem me. For your glory and my good. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what I want you to do, if you pray that prayer, I want you to, hear me say this, don't hesitate. I'll be at the Welcome Center outside. I definitely want to meet with you. We have pastors out there too. We have information. Get you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we want to get you a Bible. We want to celebrate with you. You hear me? But then secondly, all the moms in the house, I want to do two prayers. Mothers in the house, if you're a mom, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray over you. And I know you may say, well, I'm not a mother. I'm not a mother. I got you. I'm praying over you. Lord, thank you for these women. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for your plan and purpose in their life, but also through their life. Lord, in the days ahead, allow them to fall more in love with you, to look more like you, and to make you known. Thank you for their sacrifice. Sacrifices. You know something about that. Thank you for their commitment. Thank you for their loyalty. Thank you for what they do behind the scenes when no one else, no one else knows but you, Lord. Today, may they feel their worth, their value, the fact that they're loved. Not because a bald head preacher says so, but because their heavenly father says so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Other ladies, go ahead and stand. Other ladies, if you're in here, no, you're not a mother, come on, stand. All women. So everybody should be, not the guys. Okay? There you go. There you go. Mother's Day can be a little interesting. I know I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a mom. A mom, you know. So I want to pray for everybody. Pray for everybody now. Lord, we do thank you for today. Thank you for your plan and purpose for those that stood up second, oh God. But it's not as if they're second in regards to how you're going to work. And there's a caste system in how you work in your kingdom. 
just as you have a perfect plan for the moms that stood up, Lord, you have a perfect plan for all the ladies in the room. Lord, today, may they feel your agapao love, your sacrificial love towards them. Regardless of what the culture may say, the culture's trying to shape us and form us, but Lord, even starting now, may they be shaped and formed by your word and what you declared to be true over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.